0: and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, Jesus says these words. He says, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Luke 10, 16. That's one of the most incredible verses in the Bible, I would contend. And some might ask, did Jesus really say that? Well, yes, he did. But for many... Luke 10.16 is like a chicken bone in people's throats. They choke on these words of Jesus, and they refuse to believe what Jesus says. And when you don't believe what Jesus says, then you're saying that he is a liar. Don't ever go there. However, he says what he says, and he means what he means, and so it's time for us to listen to what he says and to trust what he says in the text. And what he says is in the context of his commandingly sending his preachers to the Gentiles, that is, to the nations. Luke 10 is a preview of Matthew 28, where Jesus mandates making disciples of all nations through baptizing and teaching. Or for Mark 16 is another in which the gospel is to be preached to all creation. Or Luke 24, in which repentance for the forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in our Lord's name to all nations. So we'd better hear it again. Our Lord categorically promises, the one who hears you, namely the preachers that I send, hears me. And the one who rejects you, the preachers that I send, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. that be the Father, of course. So, first and foremost, the 72 are sent by whom? By Jesus. They don't go out on their own. And as they are sent by Jesus, they are sent with authority. Whose authority? The Lord's. And that is to be sent certainly and surely, without any doubt, like Jesus himself. Remember John 20, as the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Remember Matthew 28 all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of. So all authority given to sent from the father Jesus here in Luke 10 he then sends 72 others to go in his stead and by his mandate I repeat they are sent with our Lord's authority and so consequently to hear a preacher whom Jesus sends with his authority is to hear who? Jesus himself. To reject a preacher whom Jesus sends is to reject who? According to the Lord's words. Jesus himself. And then to reject that is to reject the Father who sent Jesus. Luke 10, 16. That's incredible. Now, I can't help myself. In the Bible, being sent is extremely important. Again, the Father sent Jesus. Jesus didn't go out on his own either. The Father sent him. The Father is the one who gives Jesus authority in being sent by the Father. You remember in Romans 10, Paul asks, and how are they to preach unless they are not sent? They would be sent by the Lord. So in Luke 10, Jesus authoritatively sends disciples as his apostolic preachers. They are his sent ones with all the heaven and earth authority of Jesus himself. Luke 10, then, is one of the primary texts in the Bible that gives you ample proof that Jesus instituted what we call the office of the holy ministry. So pastors are sent by the Lord to preach. Jesus authoritatively sends them, and they are to speak not their own words but the Lord's. The preachers are to do what Jesus commands. And this is exactly why Jesus says to his preachers that he sends, he who hears you, hears me. This is why Pastor Kuhlman, or any pastor for that matter, sent by Jesus says, Jesus sent me to tell you, your sins are forgiven. His death has atoned for all your sin. Believe it. Or, as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. And your sins are forgiven. Why is that? Well, because you have the Lord's word on it, and his word is certain and sure. Now, did you notice in the text that Jesus sends the 72 out with immense urgency? Why is that? Well, he tells us the fields, that is the world, is ripe for harvest. So there's no time to lose. (laughs) I remember when I was a little boy, when I would stay with Grandpa and Grandma Kuhlman in Kimball, Nebraska, when the western Nebraska wheat fields were ripe and there was enormous urgency to get the crop in. The hours were long, the work was focused and intense, and there were never enough what? There were never enough harvesters and workers. That is the focused intensity of Jesus as he heads towards Jerusalem. There's no time to worry about packing, boys. Just go. No money bag, no knapsack, no extra pair of shoes. Just get going ASAP. And did you notice in the the text the dangers? Wow. The risks, the perils, and the threats are huge. The 72 sent by Christ with his authority preachers go out, as Jesus says, as lambs in the midst of what? Wolves. As they go, they represent the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. They speak for Jesus who is going to his sacrificial death on the cross. And the wolves, they're going to be watching and they're going to be waiting. That's one reason that Jesus sends them out, did you notice? Not one, one at a time, but two by two. The wolves will stalk one lone lamb, the isolated one, right? Now, again, because I can't help myself, I have to do a side note here. That is the danger of individualized Christianity. What do I mean? It's when people say this, I can believe on my own, I can be a believer all on my own, I don't need the church, I don't need the communion of saints, I don't need a pastor, I don't need anything that Jesus gives. Too many of our own members here at Trinity falsely and dangerously believe that they can go it alone without ever going to church. They actually believe, falsely, that they can be a lone lamb among the the wolves. Oh, and Satan loves that. And here's what will happen. I guarantee it. Satan's wolves will surround the lone sheep and they will what? they will attack, and it will not end well. So I'm begging all of you here today, do not fall into the satanic temptation to be a solitary Christian. And so in the text in Luke 10, Jesus keeps them in a fellowship, in a communion with one another. Let's learn that. If you don't believe it, it's time to repent of that. Now, did you notice what do the 72 preach? They proclaim what, according to the text? Peace. After all, they are ambassadors of the Prince of Peace. Peace be to this house, they are to say, or peace be with you. This is not their peace. It's divine peace that comes from the Good Friday cross of the crucified one, like in John 20, when Jesus himself says to the sinners who heard him, peace be with you. The Hebrew word is shalom. It means not only the end to the bitter warfare, but rather a restoration of wholeness and completeness. Because with peace comes healing of not only the mind and heart, but even the body. And thus Jesus tells them, and you heal the sick too. And no wonder, when they are his ambassadors, they have his authority even over diseases and demons. They bear good news. The kingdom of God has come near to you. That's what they are. Now, once again, I can't help myself. You know who I am. And if you're paying attention to the text, we learn another hard lesson. What is it? It's this, that we don't build God's kingdom. I know you've grown up in the Missouri Senate, many of you, and you've all been eukered into believing that you are responsible for building the kingdom of God. Wrong! Dead wrong! We just simply announce it. Do you see the difference? It's a big difference. So, I have to say it as clearly as possible. God's kingdom comes without our efforts. God's kingdom comes with Jesus, His Good Friday work, not ours. God's kingdom comes with the blood, the sweat, and tears of who? Good Friday Jesus, not ours. He does the kingdom of God work, and He said it's finished on the cross, and so we are simply given to announce that salvation job, that it is indeed finished. By who? Jesus. Now, I want you to think of the following. I want you to imagine a stranger coming to your house later today. That stranger knocks on your door and you answer the door. The stranger tells you that you've just won $100 million. Do you let this stranger in? Do you ask the stranger to sit down and have dinner with you? Do his words mean anything to you? Will those words affect you in any way? Well, if you are convinced that this person has the authority to speak those words, and if those words are in fact true, then you would be an absolute idiot, a fool, to slam the door in his face and call him a liar, right? Well, of course. Well, how about these words? How about these words? from those who are sent by Jesus. Not you one 100 million dollars, but these words. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Or, I forgive you all your sins for Jesus' sake. Or, this is my body, and this is my blood given for you. Whose words are those? Christ's. From him to you, and for you. Can you trust them? Jesus says, absolutely. He who hears you, hears me. However, as we learn in the text, God's kingdom of peace is rejectable. People can slam the door in the messenger's face, and many do. So be forewarned. Even the dust on the soles of their feet will testify against you. That's a very Middle Eastern way of expressing contempt. To raise the heel Or to shake the dust off your feet is a sign of excommunication. It means being cut off from the Lord and his kingdom. Jesus then underscores this in the text with his woes. Woe to Chorazin! Woe to Bethsaida! Woe to Capernaum! Those were Israelite cities. And if you remember from your reading of the New Testament, Capernaum is the town in which Jesus ran all of his ministry. It was his base of operations. These cities, then, had lots of Jesus going on. Lots of his mighty deeds and lots of his mighty words going on. And yet other cities, non-Israelite cities, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, are favorably compared. This part of the text should repent us, PDQ. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the towns in our Lord's day that had the most Jesus going on, most of his words and most of his deeds, they received the greatest condemnation. Why is it? Because of their rejection. So listen very carefully. The Bible teaches that to whom much is given, much is, do you know? Much is expected. Do you get it? To refuse the gifts of Jesus is to reject the giver himself. To refuse baptism, to refuse the absolution, to refuse the preaching of the gospel, to refuse the eating and drinking of our Lord's body and blood is to reject the gift giver, Jesus himself. To refuse salvation's achievement and salvation's bestowal is to reject the Savior himself. Even the city of Sodom. If you know your Old Testament, you know what that was all about. Even the city of Sodom, the poster city for the most horrific sin and abominable evil that was consumed by what? Fire and brimstone in Genesis. It compares favorably with the town that rejected Jesus, his words, and his gifts. Now, I know, I know, I'm, I'm too long-winded again, and that's just typical Kuhlman. And I, I see some of your eyes, they're beginning to roll. But I have to say a little bit more about the hellacious consequences of rejecting the faithful preaching and the faithful giving of the preachers that Jesus sends. The refusal to be forgiven from the preachers that Jesus sends will not end well. I encounter this all the time as a pastor, even with baptized people, even with members of Trinity Murdoch. The kingdom of God has drawn near, but sadly, too many want nothing to do with it. The forgiveness of sins, my friends, is here for you every Sunday. But many see nothing in themselves that needs what? The Lord's forgiveness. So to reject the church's ministry that is offered each week is to reject not the pastor, but Jesus himself, as he says in the text, and he is the Lord of the church. And as Jesus himself says, it is the rejection of the Father who sent him as well. It will be hellacious. I don't care how people spin it. It will be hellacious. You shall be brought down to hell, is Jesus when he says to Capernaum. Because they refused him. He who hears you, hears me. In response to our Lord's clear and categorical words in Luke 10, people tell me all the time. Are you still listening? This is what I hear all the time. I can talk to God anywhere, Reverend. I don't need Trinity Church. I don't need you as a pastor. I can talk to God on the golf course, in the mountains. I can talk to God at the lake, in the boat. I can talk to God anytime when I'm out in that kitchen sink doing the dishes. That's true. You don't get any argument from me on that. You can talk to God anywhere, anytime when you pray. And you should. And if you're not, we need to talk. But that's you talking to God. The issue in Luke 10 is how God talks to you. God doesn't talk to you in your gut Not in your feelings, not in your dreams, not in your intuitions. Jesus says in the text that he speaks to you through the ones that he sends to preach his word to you. Just as Nathan was sent to David, just as the prophets were sent to Israel, just as Peter was sent to Cornelius and Philip to the Ethiopian in his chariot, and just as some schmuck from Wyoming, some hayseed, redneck, white trash boy named Coolman has been sent to you. He who hears the one that I send, Jesus says, hears me. Now I'm going to wrap it up. I know you're getting antsy. Some of you are looking at your iPhones and watches, so here goes. The 72 return full of joy. They're a splendid success. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Oh, that's great fun, isn't it? Stomping on snakes and scorpions, kicking out demons. Woo! That's impressive, isn't it? The devil's reign is ended because Jesus says, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." Or as the hymn that we love to sing puts it, "He's judged, the deed is done. One little word can fell him." Now, the power of all this was not in the 72, but in Jesus and his name. Where our Lord's name is going on, there the devil and his demons must tremble. Because our Lord's death on the cross defeats death. His sacrifice fulfills the law. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so sin, death, and the devil are defeated in Christ. But the cause for rejoicing, according to the text, is not that the demons submit, but that your names are written where? What's the text say? In heaven. As surely as baptismal water flowed over you, as surely as forgiving words go into your ears, as surely as the body and blood of Christ goes into your mouths, so surely your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't take my word for it. It's the Lord's word. He sent me to tell you that (laughs) in the name of Jesus. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Apostles' Creed.